Welcome to Pop at the Montecito, the world's premier podcast discussing the hit NBC television show Las Vegas. I'm one of your hosts, Judson Clark. And I'm your other host, Eddie McCarthy. Judson, how we living, bud? I mean, we're already cracking each other up just doing the intros, so I think we're going to be in good shape. Or very, very bad shape. There's, we're, we're in an interesting diverging point right now. Yeah, this this is an inflection point. Are we on the upswing or the downswing? Only you'll know, listeners, by the time you get done listening to this episode. Choose wisely. You got anything we need to get into, or should we just jump into the episode? No, man, it's it's been a hell of a weekend for your boy. I'm I'm ready to do some podcasting. Well, let's do it. It's season three, episode three, double down, triple threat. Quadruple vengeance. It's sunrise in Vegas. The world is our hungover oyster as Sam wakes up in bed next to a far too cheery Woody. I mean, if you were waking up next to Samantha Jane Marquez, wouldn't you be in a pretty good mood, too? If well, I guess she's very tiny, but I'm thinking if she's that hungover, he's probably at least some hungover. One would think. And like, sure, there might be like in five minutes a, oh, wow. Yeah, I remember now that was great. But like right when the sun comes in. No. Uh uh-uh. uh. With the fucking knockoff sixpence, none the richer playing in the background. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird uh, radio alarm clock she has. That that's the track she has. I would have gone with the pina colada track myself. I mean, at least then you know the tables are hot. Or the hand sanitizer song. I gotta get ninety nine point nine percent of the germs off my hand. Hand sanitizer. It's still stuck in your head, huh? Yes, sir. <laughs> so this entire episode, we should say, is told as a frame story, all set in the context of Woody explaining to Sam how she got where she is. We're not going to belabor that point moving forward, at least not intentionally. But just know if you haven't watched the episode lately, think back. And it's a very it is very simple when you're watching the show. It is not so simple when you're talking about the show, what's past and what's present. So we're just going to play it straight up. Yeah, we, we've got a dual timeline going, but luckily we've pretty well established that we never know when anything happens on this show. So this one just kind of feeds into it for us. Yeah, we're just leaning right into it. And our story starts with Sam having no recollection of the events of the night before, including as to whether or not she and Woody fucked, mostly because seems like her and tequila do not mix well. It, it can be a mind eraser and it sure appears that way for Sam. Fortunately, we have super reliable narrator, Woody, who (laughs) mine like a steel trap, and he's going to start his story with the arrest. And Sam wants to fast track this, like get to the part where did we fuck or not? He's like, no, 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 no. I've got a television audience at home. We need to tell the entire story. Of course, the entire story would also require the episode of Crossing Jordan that came on right before this that we have not seen. We don't know anything about and honestly does not really matter for this episode at all. Yeah, from what I could tell, Danny was in Boston again for reasons, this time only Danny and Woody came back to Vegas. But again, only Woody. I think that's right. Yeah. Hey, if you know differently, write in and let us know. But you should have done it, you know, between last episode and this one because it's too late. But and also, hey. You could probably then start a Crossing Jordan podcast. I hear starting podcasts about shows that haven't been on the air in 15 years that you can't watch anywhere is a great decision. Engage with us at hashtag Crossing Jordan for Peacock. Oh, no, we only we only have the juice for one one failed hashtag. (laughs) So he he had made some great arrest 
and then starts leaving a dozen increasingly desperate voicemails for Sam while holding up a blackjack table at the world's saddest $5 table. Everyone there looks like they want to fight him. The dealer's just like, sir, you playing your bet? Which, bad, bad play on the dealer of ask him once and then move it on because this guy sucks. But he's then going to like scrounge out the just greasiest looking four singles and like 20 nickels to get a $5 money plays out. Oof. I know that the era of money plays has come and gone, but this may have killed it. Not, <laughs> not gaming reform or financial regulations. People saw this and were like, oh, money can play with coins. They're like, uh, you know what? No. In fact, shy of banded $10,000 bills, money cannot play ever again. <laughs> money plays $5. Finally, we get to the voiceover of Sam in the future past saying, yeah, no, I was never going to fucking call you back, dummy. She had no interest. But up in security, Mike is very interested in Danny and his recent trip to Boston. And Danny is, of course, guarded within the information, lest Mike whip it out and start jerking it straight away in the middle of security, as is his want. We, we know he wants all the details. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Interestingly, the McFatiff has a new camera toy because they spot a gentleman at a car table who is clearly wearing a toupee. And this new camera toy is a Photoshop brush that not only digitally removes shitty wigs, but leaves an accurate representation of the scalp and stray hairs underneath them. Judson, I have a question. Sure. There is no way this is possible, correct? Correct. All right. I mean, maybe now with AI learning or some bullshit, but there's no way 2005 technology was able to digitally remaster the hidden scalp of a person. Yeah, when when you use the Photoshop erase circle, you're just going to take out whatever is under that circle, not layer by layer. Yeah. And it I mean, and it might sample the surrounding matter in the picture, but it's not going to be like, oh, and here's probably where a stray hair was. <laughs> Turns out the bewildered. Nope. <laughs> were, you, were you going for a bewiggled? I was actually going for the bewigged bogey in question. Once D2 paid is Gabe Labrador, a.k.a. Gabe the Gent, a.k.a. Gentle Gabe, who Ed knows to be the world's nicest card counter. Yeah, nice guy Gabe is in the building. I'm surprised he has this many AKAs when his name is Gabe Labrador. And I'm also shocked that none of his AKAs have to do with dogs. Right? When Danny gets up and makes the joke about going to retrieve the Labrador, he, first of all, got no-sold by Mike, which was horseshit. The fact that Big Ed had to be like, uh, uh, dog joke, Mike? Ed, Ed loved it. Ed was all in on this. So this guy, card counter, he's been 86 Danny goes down to re-86 him. You gotta be honest, gentle gay, but does not seem that gentle. No, Danny is expecting this guy, you know, Ed gives a story of, yeah, we kicked him out once and he tipped the dealer and thanked us for our hospitality when he walked out. Danny's thinking this is going to be a quick and easy. Turns out Gabe's going to throw a chair as a distraction and then just nail him with a fucking right cross that takes Danny down. Yeah, it was a real sucker punch to the jaw and... He seems very intent once they get in the back room on seeing Big Ed. And we find out that's because someone has kidnapped his daughter and given him eight hours to win a million dollars. Not a lot of time to uh, find the heater. No, and we just learned at the table he'd bought in for a thousand. Card counting isn't magic. <laughs> You're not going to get a thousand X multiplier on your money in eight hours. 
Yeah, he's uh, he's going to need to come up with a better plan on this one. Well, unfortunately for him, he found himself in a back room with Big Ed because as we head into the credits, you can see the look in Big Ed's eyes. Show the Mikvatif is code three. It's time to fuck up some criminals. Yes, sir. Mike sees Woody. Woody's looking for Sam. He's still just sitting there at the blackjack table, pathetic as hell. Mike's like, oh, dude, just call her. She always has her phone. She, she'll pick up on one ring. Look, call her right now. You got her number, right? Woody, of course, having tried that 18 times, 19 times already, is like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm good, man. Never no, mind. no, no. Call her right now. Seriously. There is not a person on earth she would not pick up instantly for. I thought the only I thought this was a missed comedy opportunity. Mike should have called her and then handed him the phone, handed Woody the phone and have her hang up on him. That would have been very good. As it was, this blackjack table somehow got worse because there is some just pathetic ass dude next to Woody who drops the fucking chicks, man, and gives this sad story about how he blew all his money. His wife's going to kill him. They were supposed to go out for their anniversary dinner. But now he can't even get to the ATM for some more money because it's not going to click over till midnight because he already hit his limit. Starts to walk away, comes back. And is like, dude, hey, bud, my old pal, other shitty, pathetic guy at this terrible blackjack table. How about you hook me up with 100 bucks? Huh? I'll pay you back at 1215 when I can get back to the ATM. And I'll leave my wedding ring as collateral. I mean, if that's not believable, what is Judson? Ponder that for a moment. Going to dinner with your wife on your anniversary and not be wearing your wedding ring. In Las Vegas, when you've been away from each other, apparently all day. And also, if your ATM card is going to give you $100 after midnight, you can pay for it as a debit card or pay for dinner with it as a debit card and cut out the middleman. <laughs> with Detective Perez now dead, Woody is the new worst detective. Just despicable performance by Woody here all around. Meanwhile, Gabe's story isn't checking out 100%, but it's enough to get Ed interested, and he tells Metro to leave it with them over Danny's objections and the consternation of the poor, beleaguered Metro detective who came down and was like, I'm not even, what? I don't even get to haul this guy in for assault? What the fuck? Oh, well, I guess I'm not going to have to do paperwork. See ya. New place looks good. Bye. Big Ed gets pulled out to the floor where a Ben Carlson played by Daryl Hammond, Saturday Night Live alumnus, has $600,000 that he wants to return to the casino on the basis that he is a fundamental objection to gambling. Seems weird that someone with a fundamental objection to gambling would have won six hundred grand in a casino, does it not? I mean, I would like to have a fundamental objection to gambling and win $600,000 in a casino. I would not give it back. <laughs> you'd, you'd find a new home for that money. Yeah, away from the heresy that is this casino you speak of <laughs> this guy's adamant that the money has to go back to the casino you can't go to a charity that won't all of a sudden cleanse the money but has to go back into the coffers of the montecito a weird moral stance there because it seems like you if you have an objection to gambling you would therefore have an objection to casinos and therefore not want them to get their money back i i would think so yeah we'll we'll leave that aside ed of course is like Oh, we we can't do that. Like you won, bud. I, I don't know what to tell you. It's against the law. I can't just seize the assets legally won by a guest. Credit to Daryl Hammond. My man chewed up some scenery in this episode with aplomb. Like he was on point the entire way. Very, very good. But he starts losing it. Oh, 
This is not gonna do. This is just not gonna do. I, I don't want this money. I don't want that. Ned's like, all right, here we go. Let's do this. We'll take it and we'll hold it for you. It'll be like an escrow. We'll just have it in the cage. You change your mind and come back. We'll give you the money back. How's that sound? Carlson's on board. He couldn't be happier. He's just delighted. We leave it there. Okay, we're good. Ed, can I uh, have you take me on a quick journey to the legal corner? Sure. What happens if he doesn't change his mind and want the money back? I Then that money just sits there in a designated drawer with a little post-it note on it saying, this is Daryl Hammond's money. Nobody else can have it. And it just stays there forever? I mean... There's got to be some sort of statute of limitations, right? One would think. You can't keel over 40 years later and have his estate be like, so about that 600000 you're holding from a man there, uh, any chance you still got it? Because we'd like it. I I mean, if we were going all the way into the legal corner and this dude had gotten some documentation from the casino that they have the money, then then yeah, they, they could actually do that. I guess. I, I now live in a world where I want to figure out ways to inconvenience major institutions for decades over what amounts to a pittance for them. <laughs> Bank of America, here's 475. I'll be back for it eventually. Hold on to it for me. Thanks. Just bizarre. We come out of the frame story for a brief recap, which I wouldn't mention, but for the jewel here at the end. So Woody is down 600. He lent another 100 to a stranger who, I mean, it's he's not getting it back. It gone. Yeah, Sam immediately called him out as a sucker <laughs> mid-story. Sam, who he called 17 times according to a caller ID, and Woody notes, Oh man, I don't even have a nationwide calling plan. Those roaming charges are gonna fucking get you, bud. He is fucked up. He's like, fucked being down 700. He's down like 1700. Yeah, I mean, he's sitting there leaving these sad minute-long voice messages on every one of them. That's just gonna tick away on you, bud. Well, and you know that those are like minute four second messages and the, the bad old days that ticked over to the full second minute. Oh, yeah. I uh, God, the old who you could call when and all that. Uh, but nights and weekends are free, so you're good. Just don't call me until 6 p.m. Oh, I, <laughs> that I was such a days. wild, weird time. It was bizarre. Hey, did you ever notice sometimes on your phone bill it says payment received, thank you? Well, what are they thanking you for? You didn't send them the money out of the goodness of your heart. You did it because you don't want to communicate with drums and carrier pigeons for the rest of your life. Hey, if there's any thanking to be done, it's you who ought to be thankful for 1010-220. When you dial 1010-220, you pay only 99 cents for all calls up to 20 minutes and just 10 cents a minute after that. One of Sam's whales is down back in the, in the past past. One of Sam's whales is down 400K but is much more concerned about his dilettante daughter and her rat dog that want to go to a litany of nightclubs. Presumably, it's the daughter that wants this, not the dog. But who knows? I mean, could be a precocious pooch. A lot of alliteration here. I'm, I'm liking where you're going. And he wants Sam to make this happen. Specifically, he wants the daughter guarded by a police escort. And Sam says, that's great and all. We'll take care of security. But Las Vegas Metro does not allow moonlighting. So just regular old security will have to do. And Mr. Solani is not having it. So that's fine. I totally get it. I hope you get it when I take my shit to Bellagio, where they're going to convince Las Vegas Metro to break the law. Yeah, if if Sam doesn't have the mystery Woody card, I feel like Sam's going to call a bluff and be like, OK, cool. I'll be here when you get back when they tell you the same thing. Yeah. Do you want me to send a bellhop up? Because there's <laughs> nothing I like. I, my hands are tied here. I, I've given you what I can give you. Nobody else can give you this one either, partner. 
Well, it tur- turns out Sam does, in fact, have the Woody card and realizes, you know what? I got you, Mr. Solani. Give me one second. Just hang out right here. Yeah. But more importantly, we will go to the lobby and lovely young Penny is in the building. Rachel Lee Cook, she's looking for Danny. Passes by Monica, who's just strolling through. Excuse me. I'm looking for Danny McCoy. Aren't we all? Which, I guess Monica is still horny for shirtless construction, Danny? I guess. But also, are we all looking for Danny? It doesn't seem like too many people were. At any given moment, I assume Mary is. And I assume Mm. Baguette is. Yes. Other than that, I don't know. Danny seems to also be reasonably easy to get a hold of. He's he's around a lot. It'd be great if Mike popped in from screen right. Have you tried calling him? He's got his cell phone on him. <laughs> always picks up on the first ring. At least two rings, but he'll always get you by the second. My other question is, does Monica Mancuso give off the air of somebody who, as they're walking through a casino floor, you would stop to inquire about an employee of the casino? Yeah, I, I did not see a name tag on Monica, so... A a strange ask by Penny there. And also, she's like, I want to say like resting officious face. Like her default countenance is like she's doing something. Not like juxtaposed. So I think like her, Sam, have resting on it face. Whereas like Mary and Delinda have resting I don't know where I am face. I would gladly bother them. Hey, you look like you're not doing anything. Where's Danny? You also look very nice and helpful, whereas Monica does not give off those vibes in any way. No. I'm surprised she even had the throwaway, aren't we all, instead of a go fuck yourself. (laughs) Yeah, you're fired. If this show's on HBO Max, Monica says, fuck you, and just keeps walking. Correct. (laughs) It was absolutely the vibe we were getting. So we're up in the mysterious second floor overlooking the casino with Danny, Ed, and Nice guy, Gabe. Gabe rehashes, look, I only got eight hours to win a million bucks. I Can I please get back to the tables? Mike's going to come up with the earbud and say, all right, we can hear you. You can hear us. Go walk around like you're looking to play a table that's got a good count. We'll see if we get any contact. So far, relatively reasonable. Yeah. You know what's not reasonable? What's that? Danny says, I got to go take care of something, walks off, and Ed doesn't cut his nuts off. <laughs> I mean, they were pretty much done with it at that point, right? Well, I, I'm just like, well, fortunately for Danny, season two Big Ed is back because season one Big Ed would be like, where the fuck are you going? I mean, from Danny's point of view, this guy just decked him, should have been thrown out and we're fucking around for no reason. If Ed wants to go down this road, knock yourself out. I don't oh, need to be I'm, part of this. I'm not doubting Danny's actions. I'm doubting the lack of an Ed reaction. <laughs> Touche. Yeah, he did a... Uh, the first of a couple of weird ones, there's one later that we're going to talk about that really, like, I had to go back and make sure what I just watched happened because it really <laughs> fucking threw me for a loop. Danny's going to go down, finds Penny, and she's got, man, she's got it all set up. Tons of pictures since she went by the house. Broken and ca- casually be in need. I mean, she she probably got spare by now. It's fine. Took a bunch of pics. We got the virtual tour ready. We're going to go online. It's all great. Danny's like, whoa, this this sounds like a lot. Like, how much is that going to cost? And Penny drops the, oh, no, no, it's part of the listing. I'm full service. No, Ed, I really don't know what you mean. (laughs) Penny then says, all right, here's the play. We're going to start with a a lower number, get a bunch of people to come in and let them ping pong the number up. You're going to be great. So we'll start out like eh, 1.92. 
and Danny 1.9 comma two, not 1.92. Correct. Danny looks like he just saw a ghost. Like he he does not realize the world he is living in because he thought he was looking at a 1.5 max. And Penny is worried that he's thinking this is too low. And it quickly becomes obvious that Danny is very excited about all this. Once it also becomes obvious that Danny has no clue what he's going to do with the money. Always the realtor. Penny's like, hey, now let's talk about your next real estate project, which is a high rise condo you should buy before you've even shown your house to one person. I'll set it up for tonight. Also, we'll probably sell wherever you're currently living as well. Uh, Danny strikes me as apartment guy. Of course. I mean, that's a given. I'm here today to talk to you about breaking your lease. Big Ed is doing some paperwork at a bar, waiting, like signing a check to give to a surfer. At the sports book? Yeah. Don't worry about that. When Ben Carlson shows back up, only this time he's Tad Waters. It's got a not super great, like, country accent and entirely different get up and a real bad attitude. He, he's been told that Ed's holding his money and damn it, he wants his money now. Tells Ed, you got an hour, bitch. Phenomenal delivery. I mean, one of the greatest line reads in television and also for Daryl to have the intestinal fortitude to get a script that says you have to call James Conn a bitch and not quit the gig. I'd be like, <laughs> no, nah, I'm good. Can we, I don't know, like at least shoot this with like a split diopter so I could be like 55 feet away when I say this. See, this was why they had to go to an SNL alum because they've got a long history of being in ridiculous sketches and saying ridiculous shit to a lot of people. So he's probably had some practice throwing lines out at people who he definitely should not be throwing these lines out at. Also, why does he think it needs to take an hour to get his money? It literally All they told you is that Ed has to sign it. Be like, cage is right there, son. Let me get that John Hancock. Huh? You got my 600K all rassled up in there. I won't get it back. Meanwhile, Ed is just sitting there with the most bemused look on his face, has no fucking clue what's going on. Cause he's, you know, 20 minutes ago, you were Ben Carlson and you literally threw the money over the desk back to the casino. And now you're coming at me with this shit, trying to get it back. What, what are we doing? Ed heads back up to security, grabs hold of Mike. He's like, I need you to run down this Ben Carlson thing. Cause now there's a Ted Waters looks just like him. I don't know. Maybe there's twins or something. I don't want to be like, Ed, don't you realize you're in a TV show? They're not twins. It's multiple personalities, my guy. Come on. Easy don't fix. You see the, don't you see the key, the cameras everywhere? This is a television <laughs> show. You can't be twins. At that moment, Gabe, who is still wandering around the floor, waiting for bad guys to make contact, gets a call in his cell from what sounds like his daughter. And at that moment, moment Monica waltzes up to the McVitiff and says, hey, let's just give the guy a million dollars. And everyone's sort of... Wow, I didn't didn't think you had that in you. Yeah, no, I don't. I want the movie rights if she lives. Here, I've had some paperwork drawn up. Oh, yeah, but he is going to need to sign this waiver because I am going to make a made-for-TV movie about all this, assuming that they don't kill the girl. This shit's either going to Lifetime or True TV. I don't care which, but pay me. Correct. Which, hey, that's just good investment. You know, Monica, ever the businesswoman. I can't imagine that this is going to move the needle for her financially, but maybe it just opens up new avenues of socializing and, you know, street cred. Oh, yeah. Executive produced that latest Lifetime movie. 
You're welcome. And and also saved a girl. Right. Well, I mean, she's probably not going to play that part out. That's not good for her image. Uh, I feel like she would use that as a that's how powerful I am that I was able to secure a hostage. She'll include that or would have included it in the shortly upcoming Montecito jingle. (laughs) Instead, Jordan of Detective Perez fame checks into the hotel, having shown up to surprise Danny. But of course, Danny saw her on the cameras because she's not Mary and ran down to (laughs) greet her. Doesn't have the uh, the Danny cloaking, but I mean, Danny knew that she was supposed to be or I guess not. He said that he had invited her. He didn't know she was actually going to show up or not. Correct. And I kind of got the vibe. It was like, hey, you should come to Vegas sometime. And then he left and she was like, "Okay," and came to Vegas. It did seem like a very quick turnaround. Yes. And Danny's very busy. You understand. But he's gotten Doc Jordan set up in the spa, relaxed for a few hours. She seems grateful. And it's like, hey, what are you busy with? He's like, oh, you know, the usual a kidnapping. Got to go. And I couldn't tell. Was her basement flooded that he was working a crime? Was she pissed? Because she had this weird facial expression of like, ooh, crime. But also, why can't I play in the crime pool? I, I think it was a, ooh, crime. A very like, I got a very Velma Jinkies vibe <laughs> off of the moment of there. there's a mystery afoot. Are there Scooby snacks I could have? Yeah. Can can I play? Ed is explaining the cash situation to Gabe. Look, here's the news. You're going to get the million dollars. Presumably he signed the paperwork. When he gets a call, the timetable's been moved up. No problem. Gabe conveniently has the money. Montecito gift shop, getting some more love here because the vessel for the cash is going to be a shopping bag from same. But let's talk about this call tracing setup that Mike has in Ed's office. Mm -hmm. It's like FBI grade. I have no doubt that this is Ed's equipment. No. I have all the doubt in the world that he's letting Mike run it. See, I could I could very easily see it as it is Ed's. Ed has never actually used it. He always has mm. some tech geek either on the mission or whatever to do it. And so he's like, Mike, figure it out. And of course, because, Mike it's, ten, has because a, it's probably 10 years behind the state of the art. Right. There's already been a spread about it in popular engineering, which Mike has a very weirdly sticky copy of under his mattress somewhere because he was very excited about the tech. Q. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> Mike edition. I mean, a, anything along that line makes sense. Well, that's good. That's getting picked up in the. I was going to say, was that thunder? Uh, or indeed it was. Yeah, that was that was pretty loud. In retrospect, I agree. It makes sense that Ed has no idea how this shit is used, in which case it's all the funnier that he probably walked off Langley lot with like 30 grand in call trace equipment. I mean, we know how expensive that stuff is, thanks to Frank, the repairman. So if you can if you can take any parting gifts with you, it's a good idea. Take it off the truck if you got to. Yeah, I would also like to circle back to the spooky collar and the instructions that were given. He's told to go buy a magazine and some chapstick, presumably multiple items to make sure that he gets the bag. But I love that the guy drops the use the fucking chapstick. You look terrible because I'm always watching you. It was good. I'm also not certain that a magazine and chapstick, though, is getting you a bag. I would not think so, especially the size of the bag that we're going to find out that it is. Correct. And I thought it would have been absolutely. I mean, it's a TV show. It's 42 minutes. We don't get we don't have time to luxuriate in this. But to see him go down to the gift shop and not get a bag and have him be like, can I get a bag? And like cashier's like, sure, like pulls out a, t- a small bag suitable for a magazine. And I think it's like, do you have any bigger bags? 
and the cashier is getting increasingly frustrated with him. And then finally, like, sets out a a fucking buffet of bags. Like, what what do you want, man? Choose your fucking poison. I work at the Montecito gift shop. Can you just fucking help me out here? God damn. I feel like Gabe would ask the question, though, because he did ask, what magazine do I need to buy? As if that had anything to do with the plan. Like he's he's worried about his daughter. He needs to make sure he follows the rules. Also, my first indicate or my first thought was that the magazine might have also been part of a signal later. Right. But no, just buy some shit. Get get some shit going, I guess. I don't know. I mean, the kidnapper doesn't want him to go out of his way and buy like the very expensive but always perpetually on sale tracksuit that would actually get you the bag. Well, it's worth noting that he doesn't have time for this because he started with only eight hours to win a million dollars. And then the timetable got pulled forward to three hours from now, which we don't know how long it's been, but is at most maybe five? Like they haven't been dicking around. They caught him pretty early. Yeah. He had eight hours and now we're like into the thick of it. Well, that's the the guy was like, yeah, I the deal changed. Pray I don't alter it any further. And knowing what we know about how this story ends, absolutely preposterous to me. <laughs> it is pretty ridiculous. Yes. So, so dear listener, if you if you want this kept for you, go ahead and hit skip for 30 seconds. It's a 16 year old boy. From where would he get the idea? You know what? I should probably move up the timetable of the million dollar heist I'm trying to run. And it's not a long timeline. It's, oh. it's eight hours. Go take a nap. You're not talking to a rich guy who's like trying to move funds around that he already has, but shit's tied up in zero coupon bills. Like, no, this guy's fucking hustling up the money. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what if you do it in, at, at 2x speed now, motherfucker? <laughs> Some, sometimes the dynamic difficulty changes on you. You never know. Woody is going crazy with angst when Sam finds him and propositions him. Here's the deal. If you'll babysit some rich guy's daughter, you'll get $2,000 and I'll come along and promise to be madly in love with you. Woody, some notes. I know you're stupid, but the fact that you would believe this is preposterous. <laughs> you just needed to negotiate more money, my guy. That's yeah. how you get that's how you get through to Sam Marquez. True. I mean, we we the guy's already in for 400K. He seems very loaded. You could get way more than 2000 here. And also money and casual sex are Sam's love languages. True. Be like four thousand dollars. You don't have to come with me, but you got to meet me back at the bar at midnight. That's more likely to get you laid with Sam Marquez than OK, if you promise to have the puppy dog eyes, I'll be there. Come on, son. But Woody has a plan. I, I This is where I think unreliable narrator Woody gets involved. <laughs> I do not think Woody had a plan. I think Woody had Napoleon's plan. <laughs> well, much like it did for him, it worked out great for the Woodman. First we show up, we'll see what happens. Because they're at the third nightclub in the hit parade, which is pure at Caesars, still being run by Delinda, where the daughter, Marjan, is bored off her mind. Woody is infatuated with Sam, and Sam is infatuated with her cell phone. Yeah, she's got a real good game of snake going right now and is not to be bothered. I mean, Woody's got a good game of snake going, if you know what I mean. No, Judson, I really don't know what you mean. His penis. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> oh, we're fucking idiots. Marjan's like, yeah, fuck this. I'm going to go get a drink. Woody realizing it's going to be very hard to do his draw, his job of protecting the girl if he does not follow the girl. He's going to chase her down. It's like, D what the fuck? You want to come to all these clubs and you're just sitting here being angry. What's your deal? 
Marjan just wants a little attention. Apparently nobody's hit on her in the five minutes they've been there or whatever. Well, I, I had to assume that she was also not getting hit on at the first two nightclubs. Mm. And her lemon drop is almost over. So she's probably been there at least 15 minutes. Touche. It is also kind of funny that when we first saw her, she had like eight dudes around her. So she hasn't had that bad of a night going, I guess. Well, and they're at a table at Pure. She has bottle service. She's not walking to a fucking bar. (laughs) Are you kidding me? Thankfully, Woody is apparently a relationship expert and knows that, hey, you're just you're being too serious. You're trying to be too cool. Have a little fun. It'll be fine. I'm a fucking doofus and look how late I get all the time. Speaking of, Marshawn's like, yeah, how's that? Uh, how's that going for you there, bud? Doesn't, doesn't seem great. It would have been, been great if she'd given him back a little bit of her, his own medicine. Like, hey, maybe you should be a little less of a doofus. <laughs> like, I'm too serious. Maybe you're not serious enough. Let's do, if we could just a little give and take between us, meet in the middle, we're going to be great. Meanwhile, Sam and Delinda are chit-chatting. Delinda lets on that she's killing it at Pure. And we get an amazing break of the frame story where Sam wonders to Woody in the present. How could you know what we were talking about? You weren't there. Incredible. Like, thank you so much for that from Sam. That was really, really good stuff. I felt like the writers and it had to have been GST. GST wrote that line for us, knowing that we were going to be doing a podcast about it. Yeah, we luckily the right writers room was in the building on that day. We had the A team. GST was overseeing. He's like. Those motherfuckers are going to come at me with some, well, Woody wouldn't know what they were talking about when they, when he left. How would, how would they? Uh, Well played, sir. Well played. And equally well played by Woody, who's like, hey, my fucking story, shut your trap. And then he puts the words into Linda's mouth that Sam is hot for Woody. And that Woody is cute. Woody tips the DJ what has to be (laughs) $50,000. Because this guy record scratches during his set at what we are told to believe is the hottest nightclub in Vegas, to play a song that Woody uses as a vessel to teach Marjan some dorky line dance that ultimately will get the entire club, Sam included, in on the fun. What? The absolute fun. The DJ at weddings is not taking a request like this, but the DJ at Pierre's like, yeah, fuck it. I'm in. Sure, I got you. It's Friday night and the club is packed, but yeah, I'll stop what I'm doing for this the weirdest fucking song with like a bunny rabbit dance but the bunny rabbit has a stroke in the middle of the dance <laughs> is this what they mean when they say that when they that people have been aokified <laughs> no no these people are not being aokified this is i mean also the fact that delinda does not immediately go and rip her DJ a new asshole is mind-boggling to me. The fact that she's like, kind of dorky, kind of cute, I'm in. And again, I know this is Woody telling the story, but the story should have been, and then we got kicked out of pure because Delinda (laughs) lost her shit. And probably her job, too. I mean, the DJ's never working in town ever again. No, this guy's donezo. Like, like Vegas and LA are ruined for him. His best bet is Portland. (laughs) Doing a DJ thing. Oh, no. Nine o'clock. Oh, that guy's the worst. The dance, however, goes great. The entire club is in. Sam tries to play it cool for like 10 seconds and then hangs up her phone and she's going to go join in. Some dude at the end is going to try and grab Marjan. And Woody's like, oh, no, 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 sir. Quick little uh, hammer lock. 
has the guy down and Sam is just swooning. Again, reliability of the narrator, questionable. Mike reports to Big Ed that neither Big Carlson nor Ted Waters exist at all anywhere. And this really pisses off Ed because he doesn't like being confused. He's less angry when people are stealing from him than he apparently is when he is simply confused about something. Which, I mean, checks out pretty well. Yeah, yeah. Mary swings by the casino to collect her check for the episode and to remind Danny that A, she's clearing out his dad's house while he's doing whatever the fuck it is he does when he's not working. And B, that she's still with Jake, who she's meeting for lunch. I'm guessing takeout in his office over a 15 minute break. Yeah, I I think you said it best. Nikki Cock had to get something for the check she was cashing for the episode, so we needed her to show up. They actually cut the check for Nikki Acox, that guest star. <laughs> and she's like, what the fuck, y'all? She hasn't been on the episode of the show in two fucking seasons. So she had to go down to the lot. And they're like, well, as long as you're here, hey, uh, rub some ice cubes on your nipples and put on this tank top. Let's get you in front of the camera for five seconds. We, we haven't done a weird flirting between you and Danny in a while. Let's let's get on out there. Speaking of weird flirting, we go to the spa. Yeah, Jordan and D- and Delinda are getting a couple's treatment going, I guess. Talking about how Delinda's fucked everyone that she works with. Just a, a real weird scene here that really ends with some beautiful physical comedy of Jordan is pretty much saran wrapped. And thanks to Delinda's inspiration. Decides, you know what? I am going to go play detective, damn it. I want to say jinkies, but I'm saran wrapped. So Doc Jordan has been listening to our podcast and admonishes Delinda as to the perils of shitting where you eat. To which Delinda says, no, I actually like it that way. I like to, to directly lick the asshole as the shit's coming out. This is my preferred way of doing it. Gross. I mean, talk to Delinda about that. <laughs> I, I would prefer not to. I'll remind her you said that. But the bigger issue is that Delinda uses the this opportunity to remind the doctor that she's the medical examiner of the city of Boston and she should do whatever she wants. Firstly, Delinda's right. She should do whatever she wants. But because she's a human with agency, the fact that she is the medical examiner of the city of Boston is to me an argument for why she should not be doing it. <laughs> she should be chilling the fuck out on vacation. Yeah, there's probably protocols of why she definitely should not get involved in any of this. Well, set that aside. She's back home dealing with Monster of the Week all the time. So of all people, she should know there is always somebody suffering. It's not on her to fix all of the problems. She should be like, nah, you know what? They got it. Or not. I don't really care. I need some self-care. I'm going to sit here in this saran wrap. Let me let me get some fresh cucumber for these eyes. How hot is that saran wrap burrito? It's That seems terrible. I don't know what that skincare is supposed to be, but I feel like somebody was like, Check this out. I'm going to get these dumb motherfuckers to pay me $300 to wrap them up real, real tight with saran wrap, and they're going to love it. What's it do? Nothing. I mean, it traps you pretty good, but nothing. No, what's it do? It uh, it hydrates and exfoliates the uh, subdermal layers of your of your fourth cervical platypus. Like, I don't fucking know. Like. That's good. You got to have something, though. My, my first three cervical platypi are in trouble. So I'm glad we're getting to the fourth. Well, you gotta, we got to work our way up. Baby steps. Baby platypi. See you play. I, I will not food play. I will not food play is the title <laughs> of your sex tape. <laughs> I'm, fair. I'm OK with that one. <laughs> we go back 
to Mike and Ed watching Tad, Ben, whatever the fuck his name is, on the cams, he checks in or he uses his key to get in one room as Ben, uses another key to get into another room as Tad. The two never meet. Ed is befuddled. I've got a question for you. Yes. How funny would it have been if they tried getting into their rooms with the wrong key? Very good. Would have been a very good bit. This one's like, why can't they get in the room? Oh, hang on. Wait for it, Ed. Two different rooms, two different keys. Oh, you know when they check in, they give you two keys. It's true. This motherfucker has at minimum four keys floating around his pocket. Good luck. So that's, that's too many keys. And also, if I came to in a reality in which I had four identical keys in my pocket to the same hotel, I would I would I would hope that I would start asking questions, not just going up to my room and trying them to like usually the answer is your buddies locked you out and deadbolted the door so you have to go back to security for new keys for the second time so you're actually up to six keys now <laughs> well you didn't come to it in this reality having gone from no keys to four you were slowly adding your keys correct but also does he have two sets of attire like two sets of suitcases oh yeah the whole oh, shebang the whole shebang it's, it's a weird life he probably shouldn't be traveling alone. Yeah, I do. I I want to stress this. I am not trying to make light of mental health or of people who suffer from multiple personalities. But I am fascinated by the logistics of like, what happens if you switch in the middle of the other person's hotel room? Do you think you did a murder? And you're like, oh, shit, this is not my room. <laughs> this is not where I parked my car. Yeah. Does he have multiple cars? Did he buy multiple plane tickets? I need to know. <laughs> Well, luckily, just as confused as you are right now, Ed is four levels beyond that confused. He doesn't know what's going on. Mike is finally going to pitch the, look, it's not two different people. It's the same guy. I bet it's multiple personalities. Nope. Ed, unsurprisingly, is not uh, not real high up on the mental health issues of the day. He's not buying it. We get a weird Ashton Kutcher reference. If some kid in a trucker hat jumps out at me and says, you've been punked, I'm kicking him and you right in the pills, okay? <laughs> Which is a great, a, you know, when Ed is confused, angry, we get more like Godfather yeah. James Khan than we do Ed the Lime because kick him in the pills is just a beautiful turn of phrase. It was so good. And I really kind of wanted to see the, the outtakes in which James Khan is kicking a whole bunch of people in the pills. I, I would watch that episode. I think it's safe to say that this has not been the most cognitively sound episode so far. There have been there have been some holes in the plot. Sure. I'd, I'd say that's fair. But the biggest leap in the entire episode is that this young, attractive, rich person that loves nightclubs is willing to call it a night <laughs> at midnight because fucking Woody needs to go collect a hundred dollars. Okay. Hey. Great night, guys. Let's uh, I had seven clubs we needed to hit and we did it all before midnight. You know, nightclubs, which are notoriously great from seven to nine p.m. in Las Vegas. First of all, she would tell him to fuck off. Failing that, she'd be like, here's five hundred dollars. We're staying. Failing that, Sam would be like, here's five hundred dollars. We're staying. Not. Yeah. All right. Let's pack it in. <laughs> we gave it the old college try. We did some bunny hopping. Time to scoot. Hey, bunny, bunny hopping apparently takes a lot out of you because she's calling it a night and is delighted. Couldn't be happier. And while waiting for ring guy to not show at the bar, Monica swings by with a round of tequila shots for the crew. I mean, 
she got a call from Mr. Solani that he was very happy because it's not like they just got home. They had enough time for the daughter to go talk to her dad and say how much fun she had at all these clubs and for him to then call the owner and say, hey, great work. Give your casino host a raise. And said casino host is inexplicably unable to take the compliment or is pissed off that the whale directly reached out to Monica. I I think it's just the weird vibe of Sam and Monica. Because she deflects credit to Woody and then starts slamming more tech, which is fine because the bartender, when heard a round of tequila shots, poured out nine of them. And and Sam was thirsty, it seems. During this time, Monica and Woody make light introductions and Woody puts his hand on her knee in an effort to draw her into his plan of making Sam jealous, which not only seems to. And, and I think it works on Sam. Correct. And it is the only thing that keeps Woody from losing his hand because Monica, who is not thrilled with the sexual advance is I think thrilled at the opportunity to fuck with Sam. Yeah. I, man, I wish we could have heard what she said because it goes on for a while and they give you like little snippets of audio. Uh huh. So you got to think that she is probably just saying some very inappropriate things. I think it's something I, I like to think it's something along the lines of this is a very funny bit you're doing to Sam. I'm all here for it. But if you ever touch me like this again, I'm going to cut off your balls <laughs> and feed them to you via your asshole. We good? And I think that's why you get the Woody. <laughs> yeah. Reaction. True, true. But hey, step two of the plan works. Make the girl jealous with a new girl. I think this is actually plan four, step four or three A. Uh, it's hard to ste- step. Yeah. Whom's can say the next step is accomplished. Why can't you see what you're doing here? What you doing to me? Doc Jordan wants to find Danny to help with his case. And Mike's like, hey, I've got a case here you can help with. She's like, that's not the point, Mike. I don't want to fuck you. You didn't tell me I couldn't help on the case. So this is not the case I want. Focus. <laughs> Wait, but this one is actually related to what you do for a living. Yeah, I don't care. That's not the point, Michael. Mike, unrelenting as ever, though, is going to get her to look at the file. And as expected, like, Two lines in, she then becomes very interested in what's going on. Only a little. She keeps like, I mean, apparently the deal is Mike can't read because all Jordan does is read the file. He's got the guy's medical. And she's like, yeah, it says this. He's like, that's what I thought it said. Oh, shit, Mike, you were holding the file. The the file very clearly says dude has personal uh, multiple personality disorder. Here is a breakdown of each of the personas. You cracked it, bud. (laughs) I don't think that this would be the equivalent of. If there was a big contract and I handed it to you and you were like, yeah, this is what the contract said. This would be like if there was a contract that another lawyer had marked up and left copious notes on and I handed you the contract with those notes and you were like, yeah, uh, this other lawyer's point about this is a pretty good one. Anyway, I'm going to leave now. And I was like, great interaction with that lawyer. (laughs) Yeah, the only thing I can figure is that because also... It is stamped very clearly Montecito Confidential because we're breaking HIPAA laws because that's hot in the streets these days, I guess. Everybody likes HIPAA. What do do HIPAAs have to do with this? Well, they're not rhinoceroses. Are they hungry? Is that the problem? Uh, That's their secret, Judson. They're always hungry. How's about dessert? I guess Mike just didn't look at the file because he's like, I don't know doctor stuff. (laughs) Here you go, doctor. You look. I'm scared. 
There is there is no world in which Mike encounters something above his bow that he doesn't just jump at and attempt to figure out anyway. Very good point. Turns out the actual guy's name is Marlon, and he has three different personalities, only two of which we've met. And the key, according to Dr. J, is got to tease out Carlos. Carlos. Carlos is the mediator between El Angel y El Diablo. Nice. And... The final note from the, again, attending physician, not Jordan, she's just the one who's literate, is <laughs> you need to get a hot woman and Carlos will come out and play. Now, please, I really must go find Danny and fuck him instead. Great, great win for everybody involved. I'm shocked that Mike's not like, hot woman. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Ed and Danny are back watching Gabe and Gabe gets a call and it's it's time to put the plan in motion. Gabe is to take 50K out of the bag, put it in his pocket. To go to a specific roulette table, leave the bag, go upstairs. As all this is going on, Jordan's going to walk up and Ed's just going to quit paying attention. He doesn't care about any of this hostage bullshit anymore. Hey, Jordan, how, how was Boston? What's going on? What? Also, can we talk about how these bags look like biohazard trash bags? <laughs> they are giant red plastic that are something that like they store like bloody surgical gauze and sharp needles in. <laughs> I just, I couldn't get over how Ed was like, Kavanaugh's here. Fuck all this shit. That's, yeah, we'll figure that out later. He's got a million dollars in play and he's distracted by a shiny glimmer. And, and we get this weird conversation about how she wanted to help. And Danny's like, but I, I thought you're at the spa. She's like, yeah, but why didn't you want me to help? Nobody's dead yet. Oh, yeah. Finally, we realize we should probably be following Gabe and the money. Let's figure out what's going on. Gabe is told to go to the second floor and baby, we're going to make it rain. Why would you? I mean, again, because the guy on the other line is 16. But why take a $50,000 hit? I think a thousand would have been enough of a distraction. I mean, if we're talking hundreds, you probably want but get get a thousand in singles. Oh, that's true. That it, yeah, you definitely didn't need to drop 50K. When you're in a casino and you see money flying from the sky, are you going to pause and be like, uh, wait, those look like singles. Never mind. Yeah. If one floats my way, I'll maybe reach for it, but I'm comfy at this table. I guess it depends. Do you have uh, the dealer from last time? Uh, yeah. If, those, if, Jerry's, if Jerry's on the table, I don't need this fucking rainmaker. I am the rainmaker now. But it turns out that's not the only part of this play. As we see a group of children walking with all the same red bags. Because they were apparently on a field trip to the Montecito gift shop. Seems strange. <laughs> uh, I, I was very and confused. also it's like 1 a.m. or something? Yeah. Why, why are all these children in a casino that you're explicitly not allowed to be there? It turns out. I, I, I would have given anything in that moment for them to cut to a table of Eddie McCarthy outraged at the parade of children why, walking by his blackjack table it is just <laughs> saying perfect you wouldn't be screaming it but saying profanity very loudly as if to say there are kids in my casino i should not be allowed to swear anymore that's a them problem. yeah i'm allowed to be here they aren't fuck them kids but and even even if let's say it is daytime do las vegas schools go on field trips to see <laughs> casino magicians is that a thing that does not seem it's like a so thing. Weird. It does not seem like a thing. And why would they all have bags? Because magicians famously give out gifts at the end of their show. Uh, that 
again, some weird stuff going on in this episode, but who knows? Either way, you got rainmaking on one side. You got a whole bunch of kids all with the same bag. Everybody's confused. We spent the last five minutes off the ball, not watching any of this. Turns out when we go to look for the bag with the money, Egon. Egon. We learned that apparently all it takes is four shots of tequila for Woody and Sam to get drunk, but not too drunk because he spots his ring bearing scammer trying to run the same scam at another table. And I have to ask, what is this guy's angle? Dumb. The, the ATM limit not resetting till midnight is now a, what, 23 hour hustle at this point? Yeah. I mean, look, if you get if we're at a table together and we're having a good time and it's like 1030 and I'm up and I'm drunk and you borrow 50 or fewer dollars from me, I'm probably going to go along with it. <laughs> there is no tapestry you can weave where it's I'll pay you back in 22 and a half hours, stranger. Nope. Uh. Uh-uh. There, I, I don't even think that we can get the first part out there, but <laughs> to be clear, I think that conversation I'm saying quick... you've got a chance in the first one. <laughs> ah, you have fair. no chance in the second. Fair. But more importantly, why is this guy hanging out shockingly close to where he was supposed to meet his mark? At this, at the exact time, like just dumb play by our boy here. Woody's going to go. Kristen Bell, come on down. <laughs> Woody's going to go. He, he's got that hammer lock strong. Like he, he flips the guy over by a table and pulls out a like janitor sized key ring of fake wedding rings that this guy's been running the scam and is like, guess what, dickhead? I'm a cop. Another missed comedy opportunity for him to look and be like, but Boston, this isn't your jurisdiction. Let me go. <laughs> Sam- like, I'm not sure how things work, but I don't know that off duty cops from other jurisdictions are allowed to detain people. Eh, probably. Sam's going to give him yet another swooning look. This one, I think we could definitely believe because Tequila Sam is much more agreeable than regular Sam, it seems. 100%. I think I think four Tequila Sam's a fun Sam to be around. Indeed. I bet five Tequila Sam, though, is not. There's. I don't know if it's five. I don't know if it's five, but somewhere soon in the tequila count. The, the emotional bottling that Sam has perfected over the years, there's there's going to be a crack in one of those bottles and things are going to get weird. I, I think she's either sad, Sam, because we've seen that before, or she's violent, Sam. Correct. And we've seen that before. Yeah, like sleep de- deprivation, crazy episode. Then after 10 rounds with Jose Cuervo, I lost count and started counting again. We find Tad at the crabs table. Being super creepy with a couple of women, boasting of his erect 10-inch penis. As Mike looks on jealously, he's like, hey, being creepy to strange women, that's my gig, you son of a bitch. How dare you, sir? That'd be like if Eddie said denouement on the podcast. I cannot stand for this. Who would do such a thing? Delinda walks by and gets, you know, again, the Delinda that doesn't work in the Montecito still. Delinda ex machina here. And gets dragoon. Congratulations, you've just come up with the show title. <laughs> I, I had a I had a pretty good feeling that one was going to work. Uh, so she walks by and is dragooned by Mike into meeting Tad with the hope of teasing out Carlos. And of course it works because we have a Latin soundtrack to indicate as such. And a, then immediately confused Linda is sent packing by Mike because he's got what he needs. And I do not want to belittle the fact that Molly Sims was an actual supermodel. Correct. Objectively beautiful. But if all it takes is seeing a beautiful woman for 10 seconds, we would only have Carlos. It's fucking Las Vegas. Right. 
he was just hitting on two very good looking girls. <laughs> it would be Solo Carlos. The good news is we found him. And speaking of finding things, Danny, Ed, and Dr. Kavanaugh have found the bag. Somebody stuffed the bag that the money was in behind a slot bank. They go down, they find it. Looking at how it was held, it, it seems it was quite the tiny hand. Here's where we find out that the magician show used red bags today, even though apparently they use blue bags. Again, for what? I have no idea. But we're going to do some video tracking and find that no... It was not a child who was carrying the bag. We find the guy who dumped it, who then is very, very tiny, but is going to hop in his Escalade and start dragging on a cigarette. That's not a child, Judson. Yeah, Doc J goes full Sherlock because after she assessed the handle's crinkle, she also smelled nicotine on it. And it's because we had a jockey looking motherfucker who had been doing this. My boy behind the Escalade has seen some shit. Also, I don't think he would be able to see over the dashboard if that is. <laughs> the seat is cranked up very high. Like may, maybe get my guy a, a VW bug or something here. He needs the old one that uh, Steve Urkel drove. Where you're yes. like right up in the window. Correct. <laughs> I do that? They then trace the magician bag swap because they're like, well, it should have been blue bags. Why were they red bags today? Which again, uh, again. And they find that there's a guy who's wearing a wig that looks just like Gabe's. So they bring in Gabe to ID this guy. And I think I know I was. I think they were all expecting him to cover for an accomplice. Like, okay, we've got him now. We caught him. It's the same wig. And he's like, no, I don't know that guy. But that's a fucking wig. That's wait. That's my wig. Got one just like it. Oh, wait, that's the guy who's fucking my daughter. Uh, whoops. Jinkies, indeed. Gabe is going to get a series of congratulatory slaps on the back for figuring it out. Of increasing intensity. Kavanaugh really laid in there. She she got some hip torque on that one. I think she hit him so hard he hit his pills on the chair in front of him. <laughs> we will then bust into a room at the Montecito and see Millie and her boyfriend eating ice cream, money all over the bed. Which is just... So gross. You're going to get ice cream all over that money. You're going to get herpes all in your ice cream. I mean, it's not great. No one's just real bad OPSEC. Look, man, 16 year olds, you know, fucking kids. The cops are there. Danny and Ed are there. And Monica is there just to make sure that somebody counts the money. Obviously, it's going to be at least 50,000 light because they made it rain. Question of the episode. Did she get hers? Did she get her money's worth in terms of the movie rights? I mean, 50K, I, I think you could make a I, I think you nailed it best with like the Hallmark Channel mystery of the week type movie. Those are pretty cheap to make. She ought to be able to get a decent return on that. I almost feel like this is a Jonathan Frakes factor fiction vignette. I don't know. We got enough meat on the bone for a full story. Because ah, you can play with the card counter history. We get the the mention of the insurance fraud in 1980 and all the scams he's pulled I, I think there's some there's some meat on that bone. Our research found a published report of a similar story. Jordan's heading home because she's not ready for a relationship or apparently even a vacation. Can't stomach the possibility of spending even one night not in Boston, which I've been to Boston. You're better off being basically anywhere. Yeah, we get this weird line of how, you know, yeah, not ready. Wait, real quick. Let me check anchor. Make sure we don't have anybody uh, 
from Boston. <laughs> Boston. Uh, Peppa, not enough. We're fine. All right. Jordan drops say, yeah, she's not ready for the real thing. If anything, it would just be cheap, meaningless sex. And she doesn't want to bring Danny down to that level. And then she'd have to call him the next day. And Danny, of course, has a look on his face exactly like we would all expect to be like, no, I'm we can do that. I'm good. You don't have to call. We're fine. We can fuck without talking. But uh, then just a kiss on the cheek and nope, she's going to leave. Very strange. After spending the entire day in bed hearing Woody prattle on, Sam says, "Okay, I need an answer, though. Did we or did we not fuck? Would you display this as a trophy? The answer appears to be yes, because Woody solicits a second time to which she agrees and they get after it. Yeah, we get some Sam apparently charmed by this whole story. We get the playful, flirty wrestling and then, yeah, they're going to bang. So, uh, hey, good, good work, Woody. Plan works. If I'm Sam, I have to ask this question. She herself called it. How good could it have been if she didn't remember it? It it does seem like that would be called into question, but she's willing to give it another non-tequila go. She spent all day. I was like, wait, I don't even feel sore. What? This isn't worth my time. <laughs> I'm not in the business of giving out charity here. I'm Sam fucking Marquez. Some, sometimes with a hangover like that, you just you just need to try whatever you can. This is her version of hitting the gym and sweating it out. She's like, fine, let's get it over with. Little little cardio. We've got Ed, Mike, and now Carlos has entered the equation. Aye, aye, aye. Carlos says, look, I got it all wired up. Here's the play. You're going to split the money. Half of it going to go to a charity for Ben. Even though earlier Ben said that wasn't good enough, it and we're he just gonna, explicitly rejected the we're charity. Just, we're just gonna hand wave past that. Don't worry about it. Tad will take his half of the money because Tad's an asshole. Which I, I mean, getting the money that you won at gambling doesn't seem like that bad of a deal, but whatever. I mean, getting half the money you won seems like a pretty bad deal. Yeah, it sure does. And and Carl says, "Look, we do that. They'll leave. They'll never darken your doorstep." But uh. You know, this this is going to take some time. No, it won't. He, Carlos is uh, Carlos wants to stick around. And since he's, you know, taking care of all this for them, he wants a suite for a week. Full comp. Yeah, I, I get Carlos wants to get his beak wet, but what an ask. It's I, I was thinking this is like the aim for the moon. You'll still hit the stars like uh, we'll give you two days, bud. Let's let's back it down. Ed is just we'll like some fucking Elton John tickets. That's the going rate for <laughs> getting shit sorted out on this show. Ed is just like, are you fucking crazy? Uh, whatever. Fine. I don't care. And then Carlos, he he crosses that line, says, that as he, you might say, Icarus, yeah, the, he, he flies too close to the sun because he has to inquire about this lovely lady that he met earlier named Delinda. We get a, a near Gunther esque pronunciation here of greatness level and ed loses it he's like mike has to physically restrain him as the voice goes full james con mobbed up that's my daughter you're talking about just oh what a and kicks him out of the casino yeah he's done it's over at this point i think the six hundred thousand is now staying at the montecito (laughs) i think over his dead body is when big ed's releasing that cash yeah he's he is the fuse is done. He's done playing with this game. The episodes. Denouement. Penny takes Danny to look at a condo. And this is going to surprise you, Ed. This place has some geographical issues. Oh, really? Yeah. So the exterior shot shows the wind behind the building. 
with Paris to the left of the Wynn and what looks like Mirage and Treasure Island across the street and to the right of Wynn and Rio off in the background, well to the right of Mirage and TI and set back off the strip appropriately. Okay. This is check. This is real. They did not mash this up. They didn't kit bash the strip. This is a good exterior shot. We are on the north end of the strip looking south and we're a block or two to the east of, of Las Vegas Boulevard. Okay. So far, so good. We go inside the unit and we see the Rio on the left, which is problematic. And we're looking straight into the back of the Bellagio, which is how it should be if you're at the south end of the strip and a few blocks west of Las Vegas Boulevard. Because you also have to the right in the view, New York, New York, Luxor, Mandalay. And I think this location is where Palm's Place was being built. Because it was under construction when they filmed the episode. Mm-hmm. It was an expansion of the Palms Resort cooked up by our old nemesis, the nemeses, the Malusers. I think they were trying to tie that in. Danny's concerned about the money, but I think he's got two bigger problems than the price tag. One, how does this building exist in two locations at once? Good question. And two, the view from his bedroom where he should be able to see the Montecito. He can't because it's not there anymore. <laughs> the Montecito is gone. The thing that I, I, it will not surprise you, did not pick up on any of the geographical shit. What struck me is it did not seem like they were taking a tour of a condo and they finally got to the bedroom. This seemed to me like they walked into a hotel room or the suite condo. Like it is, you are not in a one bedroom. This is a studio, bud. And also all of your money is going to go into it. There is no kitchen. <laughs> but it, but it comes with a bed that's already that's pre not made up for your fucking pleasure. Right. Also, uh, before we get into any of that, Penny is going to be looking like a dime and just say, "You can have whatever you want." Grab him by the tie, and they're going to start making out because sure, that was something we've done any work to. I mean, the full service comment now has a whole lot more meaning to it. Right. She's going to service that dick. Uh-huh. In a full manner. Well, that's that's up to Danny. <laughs> Touche. But at least it's not self-service. <laughs> nope. We're, we're not going there. That's it, though. We're done. Like, she's going to kiss him, and then we're out. That's the end of the episode. I think she's doing more than kissing him, by the way. I, hard to say. The episode ends. I think I I think they're fucking in those on that not made up bed. Oh, for sure. And the and the owner of that studio condo is coming back. Hopefully not until after. And sitting in the corner and watching them finish. Ew, gross. If you owned that condo and Rich Lee Click was fucking somebody in it, wouldn't you stick around and watch? Oh, I mean, yeah, of course. Fair enough. I knew you. I knew you would. That's yeah. you're not wrong. Maybe ease up off the gross there, bud. I know your game. <laughs> Touche. Ed. Did you like the episode? I did. Uh, I mean, there was some some weird stuff. We definitely got some hand waving past some things that if you just don't think about it, it's not a problem. But on the whole, I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, I, I enjoy when when Dr. Cavanaugh and Woody show up. I feel like we usually get some pretty good antics. Uh, how about yourself? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think this was an enjoyable episode. It was certainly not a good one. I don't think it held up to to podcast scrutiny very well. Sure. And and I think if I was just watching it, I would have been like, yeah, that's fun. But even the act of having to take notes about it dropped it down a couple pegs because it is f- fucking wild episode. That is just I mean, it doesn't hold up to even a little bit of scrutiny. There's there's some 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 weak points on this one that you could poke at. I think if when the show had come out, you and I were 
professionals working in the same office place and that we had the the stereotypical water cooler conversation the next day about this would have been like, man, that was a good episode, right? And we're like, yeah, what about this? Be like, oh, yeah. What about, and what about that? And then by like four or five minutes later, be like, that episode kind of sucked, didn't it? <laughs> so, like, yeah, it was it was fun. But I just was like, eh, eh. that's I, things can be fun and not great at the same time. There's it's it's two different. That scandals. is also the title of your sex tape. Uh, just just fucking serving up easy buckets for you today. Oh, well played. I got, I got nothing. But totally fine episode. The real question becomes, do we have a new chip winner? And as a reminder, Monica defending ahead of Ed, Mike, Danny, Delinda, Sam and Mary. What do you got for me? I'm going to make a pitch. OK. I think Danny jumps all the way to number one. Just a bit outside. Mm, okay. Not good. I'm going to guess that the vast majority of your pitch is because he gets to fuck Rachel Lee Cook at the end of the episode. Uh, that's actually not going to be the majority of it. It's, there's no doubting that that is on the board because how could it not be? Sure. You've got does very well in his job. Obviously, the taking the shot at the beginning, not great. <laughs> Toss. Yeah. Toss some chips at the beginning, but ends up getting it fixed. Finds out that the sale of his house is going to be much quicker and easier than he thought, and also for way more money than he thought. Is now having the door open to him to a world he never thought he could get to, and is like he is he is leveling up pretty heavily. Is that here. is that world the inside of Penny's vagina? Yeah, I mean, there's that world, yes, but also the like I can actually do luxury condo. Life, that's pretty cool. I thought for a second you were going to bust into, I could show you the world. <laughs> he is not having to deal with bullshit estate stuff because for some reason Mary just isn't doing her job and is going to take care of all that for him. Well, Mary doesn't have a job. Her job is to sit around and wait for Jake to come home. So, Oh, yeah, I guess she did quit, didn't she? Yeah. Well, did she? Oh, yeah. Yeah, she does not work because she was part of the, uh, get the get the band back together pilot right and she pilot, wasn't gonna season she, three premiere yeah and she wasn't gonna come back okay yeah no you're right but i mean the fact that she's taking care of all that and danny had doesn't have to do any of that shit great i i'd say all around a very good day for danny ed just looked like a doofus for most of the episode i feel like mike was was solid but i don't think gained ground and monica i mean i i guess a win for getting the movie rights but was just going to give away a million bucks, which for it. So I don't know. I, I think Danny had a very, very good episode would be my pitch. Where are you at? Uh, I, I agree. I think everyone was mostly standing still. I would. Uh, so I'd be fine moving him up. Danny McCoy. Sorry about your dead dad, but come on down. You are a new chip leader. Bing. Ed, what do we have on tap for next time? Next time on pod at the Montecito. Whatever happened to Seymour Magoo? He's right behind you. Oh, that was easy. Things are well, heating up. Well, until next time. Things are heating up when Danny and Penny take their relationship to the next level. Ed is forced to walk his dog in the local dog show. And new casino boss Monica is forced to call Mike when she gets stuck in the shower. I remember a lot about this episode, and I think it's pretty good. I'm... I recall enjoying this one quite a bit. I think we are on a like season three has a very good run. And I remember the thing about the dog being that 
Jillian is like hurts her ankle or something. Mm -hmm. And this has to get taken care of. And for some reason, it has to come has to come down to Ed doing it. And it's just great all around. It's it's real good stuff. Yeah. Oh, and the the fucking old lady getting bounced off her shit. Yeah. Yup. And before we wrap up, do you have any advice for our audience? Anything to maybe help them get their head on right for the next couple of weeks? Kids, if you're dumb enough to have children, a, a life choice, which I could never even fathom, but I, I guess to each their own. I mean, first, first advice, don't have kids. But, you know, some of y'all, the Rubicon's already been crossed. So, you know, maybe try. I don't and, think that's how kids get made. The Rubicon is the clitoris. <laughs> and if you cross it, there's a baby. Yeah, that's, that's, I think that's how that goes. That's That's where this metaphor ends. That's not the advice, kids. Because that would be the worst possible advice. This week's advice is an objectively wrong analysis of how child, of how conception takes place. You know, they just don't teach good enough sex ed in school these days. And when you think of plugging the gaps in the modern education system, you think of this podcast. We often say an educational podcast. The kids, the advice that I know you were all waiting for with bated breath after all of this nonsense. If you do ignore have- the clit <laughs> and do what you got to do. But if you ignore the clit, there can be no kids. That is not my advice. We made this one up. If you have kids, maybe try and raise them a little bit better than to where they would try and scam you out of a million dollars because they're shitty shit kids. And I think that starts by not letting them go to Vegas magic shows with their fucking homeroom at one in the morning just going out on a limb just don't sign the permission slip they can't go if you don't sign the permission slip and if they forge it you know you've got a 16 year old fake kidnap situation on your hands yeah in in 10 years you're gonna have some problems so get that fucker into into some therapy work the shit out and move on or like military school yeah send them to fucking vmi that'll teach him got him well I think we've given you all enough to think about this week. So thank you for tuning in. We appreciate all the hard work, the reviews on Apple podcast, engaging with us on Twitter at Montecito pod, hashtag Las Vegas for Peacock. That's the number four. Get at Peacock. Tell them to put it on the pot on the uh, platform. Lord knows we've tried. They're not listening to us. Maybe they'll listen to you. Just remember to leave James LaSure out of it. He is sick of your shit. Tired of it. Email us pod at nope that's not it yes it is pod at the montecito at gmail.com letters curlies also the title of your sex tape Mm. we're gonna have to leave that one out yeah one your best now that Mm. that is the title of your sex tape fucking walked right into that (laughs) (laughs) but now at least i have to leave myself swinging and missing in it so Everyone's a loser? When the dealer gets 21. That's what I'm told. (laughs) Thanks again to everyone. Thank you for listening. And until next time, I've been Judd. He's been Ed. And this has been Pod at the Montecito. This is...